0: Boss, 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 boss. Hi, I'm Ira Joy, and welcome to Dear Future Boss, a podcast about the things I've learned being young, creative, and unemployed. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our At Home series. Um, today's guest is a good friend of mine. Her name is Rochelle Liu, and she is a writer, editor, and consultant in the education sector. And we're so glad to have her on this episode. Welcome, Rochelle.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to your podcast and I've been to be honest, like there's there are a couple of things that I feel have sort of hit me in the face and just be like, "Wake up, it's okay. Everything's going to be fine." And it's actually been like just so helpful for me just in general, just to listen to it. So
0: thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for the support. And hopefully it's, you know, beneficial to everybody who's listening. So we really appreciate that. Um, now we're so excited to talk to you for the next um, hour or so, because there's a lot happening right now in the world. Yeah. A lot a yeah. lot that affects young people, specifically creative people and the creative sector, creative industry. But we, before we kind of dive into all of it, I want to know how you are. How are you feeling? To be honest,
1: I'm kind of overwhelmed. Um, I was actually just talking to a friend earlier today and she was like, how are things going? I'm like, I don't know. I feel like when when this all started, you know, we were in a really weird position because we had just gotten back from abroad while everything was happening and um we're currently going through house renovations so in terms of like how things are going you sort of take things in stride and you sort of find yourself in this weird liminal transitional stage for a longer period of time um so i was doing really well until maybe like a couple days ago when i was like oh right this is happening and i'm only just now processing so i don't really know how to answer that because i'm still processing Mm. what's happening
0: I think actually that's the perfect way to answer it that we're all sort of um processing how to handle everything and things are changing so rapidly too you know um now that we have access to news and just the daily sort of updates of how this pandemic is rolling out so how has all of this impacted your work and your lifestyle like what's changed for you
1: um I think routine is probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of my friends and all of them have suggested getting into a routine, you know, finding a the different mental space in different parts of your house. So if you're in your office, then you would be focusing on work. If you're if you're out um, in the kitchen, then you focus on food. In terms of my work, it's quite easy to work online. So it that's been, the internet and technology has just been pretty amazing in terms of how I sort of function between essentially work and then home. I'm grateful that I still have a job during the pandemic and my bosses are still quite happy with me working from home, well, all of us working from home um, and continuing to sort of work in the education sector. But yeah, it's not, it's not easy always mm-hmm. to, to find a routine that works for you and that you can stick with. Because that requires a lot of understanding where you are, what you need, and then having the motivation to just get into the habit of that routine.
0: And I think it's um, for you or for people who are used to working in a sort of full time capacity, nine to five. It is it is a big transition. But what's interesting is that young, a lot of young people who don't, you know, have never had experience working in that kind of um, structured environment they are facing a different kind of challenge because they, it's not so much a transition because they were doing a lot of odd jobs and you know their days are not the same. So I'm just curious, into, and you do work with young people, in particular yes. high school students, how do you think they're finding having to move everything online and suddenly have, not having accountability in a classroom?
1: The couple of students that I've been talking to, they're usually year 12 students. Um, A lot of them are actually doing quite well well that's what they're telling me (laughs) they're doing quite well but um they seem to be quite comfortable with working just off of the computer you know they do have the social aspect that they sort of miss a lot but in general you know they're quite good at socializing via social media uh via video chats and you know chatting platforms and stuff like that so the ones that i've been working with specifically have been quite good at balancing I think it also helps that they're much younger and that their routines aren't quite as set as you know those of us in like the nine to five
0: because I feel like there's been actually a lot of discourse around how it's impacting um education specifically high school given you know the the pressures of VCE and you know just exams and all that whilst the online learning and the uh, what technology affords us in terms of teaching and and still connecting it is interesting how it can affect it for the long term so you know will year 12s be able to do exams is it relevant for them to have that additional pressure given the world is so uncertain so how do you see this playing out in the education sector like especially high school because that's your um, uh, expertise but what's your prediction on what could happen this year?
1: I think that's really difficult to say because we don't really know what's going to happen with COVID-19. We don't know what happens when asymptomatic people are still running around and you know running just even just running errands you know you do sort of have a a higher risk of transmitting. Um, I think it's really difficult to say how that's going to affect the education sector because we just don't know what's going to happen socially or societally and I think my concern would be The sort of resources that we've been either giving or denying educators in schools. You have you know teachers sort of struggling with how am I going to effectively help these students with VCE when all I have is a computer. I think the education sector should be looking more into you know improving digital education for Mm. now. I think that's the best place to be in the direction we should go in just in case things do end up getting worse
0: <laughs> yeah and to also factor in that everybody every school you know every you know student every family has a different situation you know I think there's been a lot of talk too on you know some a kids not having the access to technology as we assume that they would you know exactly. yeah, even though we're exactly. so whilst there is a lot being done for primary and high school education I feel when it gets to that tertiary level or when uh, young people after they turn 18 those are the ones that I feel fall through the cracks because they're regarded more as adults and self-sufficient now sure. to kind of you know pursue further study or find their own jobs. I feel that how can we support those young people in this time of great uncertainty? Well, first of all, they, they are used to some uncertainty because prior to COVID-19, sure, they didn't really know, you know, they're, they're struggling with kind of um, what their pathway looks like. So I think this is an additional uh, stress on them because if people who were employed are losing their jobs now what does that mean for those already unemployed only starting their lives you know how how do you feel i suppose being a, a former graduate yourself and sure. uh with you kind of uh, making the move to australia from uh the u.s did you deal with that uncertainty and you know what would you like to say to your fellow uh, young people going through it at this time
1: Ah. Oh. It's a hard time. It's such a difficult time. And there, there are times where, you know, sometimes I look at even, even you know, the 18-year-olds or the, the students who have gone off to uni, we still catch up with them. And we still, you know, wonder whether or not uh, they're doing okay. And a lot of them are sort of in this desperation to get a lot of work experience while they're at university. I think that's sort of where I was when I had graduated from undergrad in the U.S., and then gone and taught in Thailand and then taught in Taiwan. And then came to Australia to, you know, pursue a master's degree. While I was doing my master's degree, I was frantically trying to find a job. And that's what a lot of our young people are doing. Um, but with COVID-19 you sort of end up in this weird position where you are either deemed an essential worker or a non-essential worker. And then if you're a non-essential, are you full-time or are you part-time? Um, if you're casual, it's really difficult to continue finding another job, um, in a full time position. If you're full time, you might be lucky enough that, you know, your job would say, just work from home. Um, so for all the young adults out there, it's like, you have people who feel for you, who understand, and the best way is to reach out for help when you can, Mm. because if we don't know that you're struggling, it's hard to reach out to you and say, Hey, can't we help out? Um. But also understanding you know the the realities of finding a job right now might be incredibly difficult
0: there are a lot of young people silently struggling which is what i'm finding you know a lot of our audience listening who have these you know beautiful creative dreams and we want them to keep having those dreams but to kind of fit it in the reality that we're living in it is a big challenge so let's talk about that for a second let's talk about how the creative sector has been impacted by the pandemic. From your perspective, how has it been disrupted? What have you seen that has kind of made you, you know, realise how serious this, <laughs> this issue is?
1: I think there there's two sides that I see. There are people who are tapping into their creative energies that they've been holding back because of their jobs and stuff like that. So you have people who have a lot more time at home And in order to keep themselves busy, you have them going straight back into that art project that they wanted to do. Or you see a lot of people writing more. A lot of my friends are just writing more because it's helping them process the emotions that come with the pandemic. Um, But then you also have to look at the, the, you know, professional side of arts. And that's where I'm kind of, I'm a little bit concerned in terms of how long we can hold out for the government cutting funding for arts Um,
0: more than they have have already.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, what I've been really appreciating during the time of you know quarantine and being isolated from your friends and stuff like that is that our museums are going digital, you know, they have free, um, they have free tours of their museums that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to access unless I was in France. You know, you have um, the Australian Ballet is putting their ballets online for free for a certain amount of time, and I'm really excited about it. (laughs) Um, You have the MSO, the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, that um, they're performing live, like live stream on YouTube, which is also really amazing to, to have. So you have the arts keeping us alive and lifting our spirits, but then I'm very worried that the pandemic will end up taking the funding away from them and essentially you know taking away the little bit of joy that we get when we are all stressing out and freaking mm. out about you know our, our current situation
0: yeah absolutely and you know amidst all of all of the uncertainty what for me is the most hopeful part of it is the opportunity like you've said a lot of you know um, publishers and production houses have moved their content online so people are being forced to innovate because there's no other way it's a means of survival almost I think sometimes things need to be shaken up a bit so that people can be more creative, can think sure. more right. more creatively and and try to diversify their offerings because sometimes, and this goes for any industry, you can become stuck, you can become complacent in the way you do things. And I think the arts now have this amazing opportunity to, to think about how we can make ourselves more sustainable as artists because I sure. think um, there is that – a bit of that push and pull it's like we we believe so much in what we're doing but the world's not not accommodating us and not not showing us that we matter and I think a lot a big part of that is because the arts or anything that's creative isn't measurable when we're in a world where we're trying to fill our minds with statistics and you know numbers I feel like the art's have this have a power have a place they are essential but not in ways that can be measured and i think that's what scares a lot of people especially the decision makers when it comes to funding and it's how can we as artists make it so that what we contribute to society can be measured or can be understood by people who aren't necessarily creative or advocates of creativity because i think what gets in the way for a lot of artists myself included is that we do have this ego. Well, everyone has an ego, but creative people tend to be very much believing so much in, in their own kind of uh, goals and their visions that it's hard to relate, to relay that to other people. So how do we then, you know, empower young people to, to see their creativity in a way that contributes in a practi- practically to society and the economy?
1: I think that's something that you sort of just sort of struggle with just in general because I think it's just the way that we've been taught at school. It's the way that our parents, you know, due to, like, for example, my family is, you know, we're an immigrant family. My dad had immigrated to the US and I was born there. Um, His views on arts and, you know, (laughs) practical jobs they're not the same thing. You can't make arts practical. You know, that's the Mm -hmm. sort of like the immigrant sort of mentality of like, how do we make sure that you are, you know, economically stable and that's all they care about. And that's fair. It comes from their experience. So, you know, I'm lucky that, you know, my father is someone who's like, just do what you love and just keep doing it. And hopefully something comes of it. So I think it's just the way that we are taught so, you know, you have people who are like, oh, I really wanted to draw when I was younger, but you know I don't have time for it. I don't have time to practice it. And if they do have time to practice it, they, you know, they end up not sleeping as much, which is still important for your mental health. You have students stressing about the VCE they don't have time to do their art stuff. And then it gets to a point where you have a habit of not caring about that art stuff. For young creatives to really tap into that, would be very difficult because you have the rest of the world telling you that's not practical. Mm. Um, I think the best way to sort of tap into that mindset is to find other young creatives and to sort of just keep check on each other to to find other people who also inspire you to continue doing that artsy thing and then to bounce ideas off of each other. You know, I have friends who are musicians and they're currently all you know working casually part time. They're kind of struggling right now for for money. And the one thing that keeps them together is that music. And so they always talk to each other. They always try to, you know, help each other out. They end up collaborating on like online concerts or online DJing. When you have a group of people who are willing to sort of sit through and and spend time with you and your art and you sit down and spend time with their art, I think young creatives can really support each other to create a healthier mentality to say, how can we make our art practical and how can yeah. we utilize it? Or how can we find a good balance between art and work? And I think that's yes. essential.
0: hundred percent. I, I do agree with that. And just building that sense of community where we can have those discussions and support each other. So rather than us kind of, um, resisting the rest of the world or the people who don't, you know, um, support our creative dreams. It's about finding like-minded people who who understand what we're going through and maybe together we can find a solution. And I think really that's what this time is affording us now, you know, with, with, as you said, yeah. with a lot yeah, of mu- musicians, like, you know, celebrities are doing it as well, live streaming and um, performing online together. I think that's that's already proving um, you know, a way that the arts has merit in this world. Because sure. all of us in self-quarantine self or isolating right now are, are looking for ways to be entertained, to be inspired. And only the arts can offer that, right? So I think, yeah, uh, just really building momentum around community. And I think that harkens back to what you said earlier about reaching out that's how you, you start to feel like you're part of a community. It's if you have the initiative to say, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit at the moment. I need some support. Let's see who's out there, who I can connect with.
1: Yeah. And I think it's another important thing is that, you know, there are some artists depending on, you know, personality and ego, um, that are kind of afraid to show their work to other people. You know, you have, Uh, writers who are just like I don't want to show anyone my work until it's perfect you know but it can't be perfect unless you just take that risk and say hey will you read my story and can you be honest with me Um, and that's how and that's the hard part is to be that first person to go out and be like can you help me Um, I think that's what I struggle with too as a writer is You know, I want it to be perfect before I show people, but it's never going to be perfect because no one's ever seen it. And no one can tell me, this is what I don't understand. This is what I do understand. Mm. This this is what works for me. This is what doesn't work for me. Um, So that's what I'm also trying to work work on. It's not easy, it's not (laughs) easy at all. But you know, once you find a community, once you find people who are like, okay, I know what you want and I'm going to support you. And that's the first step of trying to find a way to make arts practical or even just to put value on arts. That's not mm. numbers. I think that's important. Yes.
0: Yes. And so other people outside of the industry understand, I think that's the, you know, cause we, we believe in the value of art. We know that what it does for the human spirit for, you know, our mental health, but it's hard for people without that experience to really get it. So, and I think exactly. And those
1: are the people that you need to sort of convince because you're usually the ones who are telling you, Oh, you should get a, you know, a more practical job or they're the naysayers. And those are the ones that you have to be like, no, there's merit in this and this is why. And the more people who are on the outside of the arts group, then the more you can sort of convince society that, you know, art is more than just money. Art is Mm. more than just, you know, uh, a number or a statistic that you can place and place value on it's
0: much deeper than that there is an even greater significance for arts or for this conversation around supporting creatives during this time and what will happen after you know i've seen a lot of um articles out there a lot of people are you know trying to strike a conversation about the fallout so not the fallout but all or what will happen once the pandemic sort of you know slows down and happens? Sure. And, and it is this this whole conversation and concern around mental health, and I think you know it's so great that now we are destigmatizing um, mental health and how it does uh, or illness, how it affects a lot of people. So. I I really feel this is where the arts need to be part of the conversation because it's sort of like a limitless solution. There are so many ways that arts can um, support people with mental illness that hasn't been even explored yet. You know, we look to often science and, you know, all the things that we can measure again. But, I mean, for for you and even if whether or not it's personally for you, how do you think art and creativity can help with mental health struggles?
1: in terms of like me just being completely candid and honest here, the reason why I'm a writer is because of, you know, depression and anxiety, and that that's a way for me to process. So art is sort of, it can be a really beautiful way to process your emotions. It can be a way of processing your pain, grief, um, any traumas that you've experienced, you know, there's, there's more than just, um, you know, medication. And so sort of the, the little bit less warm touches, of the human spirit, <laughs> um, I think art is a way to express yourself. If you're struggling to say it out loud, art is not just music. It's not just, you know, painting or writing. Art can be more than that. With mental illness, it's it's such a weird thing to call it an illness because it's more just like a misunderstanding or a miscommunication with you and your emotions. Speaking specifically about my journey with depression and anxiety a lot of it is just me denying myself feelings you know i'll feel like i'm feeling sad and then my brain will say you have no reason to be sad and then you have that sort of dichotomy of like but i feel sad how can i say that my feelings are wrong so a lot of that is just finding a balance and art helps you find that balance Mm. art helps you find a way to sort of marry the logical side of your brain that says, your life isn't that bad, why are you so sad? Versus, but I'm feeling it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most important thing um, art has in mental illness. For me specifically, it's different for everyone else. But for me specifically, it's a way for my brain and my feelings to communicate and say, yeah, you can feel sad, and it's okay to feel sad, and it's okay to cry. Come back in, and you're like, "All right, I'm stronger. I've acknowledged that I have these feelings. Now, what can I do to create, make these feelings into action?"
0: Well, thank you so much for for sharing that. We, you know, appreciate you your honesty, and. Yeah, I, I've always advocated for for arts being a, a ther- somewhat therapy. You know, it's healing for the soul, and it's is it isn't limited to people who are have a creative talent. I think it's, exactly, it's, exactly it's for every human. It's for every human. It's it to me is what um, makes our lives meaningful, and I feel that the reason we've sort of or we sort of move away from that as we get older, it's because of the kind of world that we live in. The you know that this focus around money, you know, um, power—that that kind of thing—is the thing that sort of distracts us from really what our our true purpose in life is. So, and it's interesting that it's it's when things like this happen that I I. I am confirmed in my own beliefs than ne- this the necessity for art because even um, off the back of you know Australia's bushfires earlier this year we haven't had a great run in 2020. Yeah, but, no, I
1: um, haven't been doing
0: so well. <laughs> but um, but really for me the the shining moments those moments of hope have come through how the arts community has banded together, but more importantly reached out to the people in need. You know, this is why the funding cuts and you know lack of support from the government is quite frustrating. Because because you're here taking away the resources of an industry that you turn to when there is a crisis. You know, think about sure. all of the musicians and performers who put on benefits. And even now, you know, a lot of um, artists are out there giving. <laughs> this is a thing, you know, naturally creative people are giving people. So why would you not support that, that sector. So um, being empowered as an artist, I think is something else that we're trying to do in our community. Like I, I would love for you to sort of share what it's like, you know, having pursued a creative career and what you'd like to say to, you know, emerging artists of how they can look forward um, even though the future is so uncertain.
1: So, you know, I work mainly in creative writing in my job. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are like, you're, wow, you're doing your dream job. You're, you're writing, you know, you're being creative. And I think the hard thing for me was recognizing that I'm not being creative in the way that I want to be creative. Right. Mm, You have to mm. do that sort of job versus self sort of, um, Mm -hmm. compromise in a way. Um, and you know, one of your podcast episodes where you were saying about, you know, like it's just work. And yes, you have to just yeah. save some time for yourself. And I think that's that's something that I think young creatives should be ready for, is that even mm-hmm. if you end up getting you know this beautiful job in a publishing company and you are editing these beautiful novels, but you're not writing your own novels and you mm-hmm. ha- don't have time to because you're busy editing other people's novels, I think um, what you could look forward to is the possibility of working in a sector that uh benefits from your creativity so without your creativity it can't possibly flourish it can't change um, but i think it's also important that you need to keep your creativity alive too it needs to be a fire that burns and you have to keep it burning you can't say like "Oh, i'm just so tired i've spent all my creativity on other people you have to save some of that creativity for yourself yes. And i think those moments of like spending time creative for yourself is one of the best parts of working in a creative industry that feels a little draining at times, but when you save just that little bit of creative creativity for yourself, you can actually propel yourself a lot further um, being, you know, having been trained to be creative a lot and all the time. And then when you work on something else, that sort of training can sort of mold you into someone who's um, not only artistic at work, but also artistic for yourself.
0: Yes. Well, you, I I really think you've, I encapsulated everything that we put actually in episode two, which is all about creativity, <laughs> creativity of self and service. So yeah. that's exactly what we touch on because that was for me one of those moments of you know um, enlightenment around how I approach my creativity. It's separating the fact that there is creativity for me and there is creativity for others, so I can channel my skills to serve others, and I think that's that's you know you know a, a key to kind of being sustainable. You know, I think because I, I see it a lot in the um, music community, you've got a lot of struggling musicians out there, you know, trying to find sure. gigs and not understanding why no one's connecting with their music, but it's because they haven't taken the time to learn about the more practical sides of their music, you know, how can I create this business around what I do? How can I market? How can I, you know, um, you know market my services in a way that actually serves others rather than I love this song that I wrote, and everyone needs to listen to it and then pay me for it. So I think there's a lot of that, as I said, that push and pull, kind of working that out, and everyone has their own sort of journey. Like you've said, for you, it's just figuring out what creativity really means for you and where you're most, where you thrive the most. And the fact is, you thrive in both sort of. Arrangements, You know, you thrive in the workplace because you're able to bring your skills. So you've got that service capacity, but you thrive for yourself because you know what writing means to you. So understanding it through those two two lenses, I think is like, you know, really important. Another thing that I wanted to ask you, you know, being someone who um, coaches students and helps them prepare for uh, life after high school, what would you say to young job seekers at this time? Just because I've had a couple of um, university graduates who are unsure about even applying for work, you know, that I was going to help this young girl with her um, resume for a specific position. And she, she asked me if it's even worth applying for it because businesses are shutting down and everything's so up in the air. So I guess from your experience, what would you say to young job seekers? What can they do during this time to prepare themselves and to keep going with ahead with their plans when nothing is certain.
1: <laughs> I think the best this is one of the best times for young creatives to actually start searching for a job because the pressure isn't on you. You don't have to feel like you were rejected because of you and who you are as a person or what you're lacking. What you end up doing is you're getting the practice in to fill in your resume to get interviews and if you end up getting an interview awesome you have you get to practice your interview skills and if you get rejected you won't feel like ah, oh, it's because i'm lacking something it's because i'm not good enough during a pandemic it's not you at all. <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like take it's it's all about and this is kind of cliche it's, like it's just it's about your perspective so during a pandemic you're like oh god businesses are closing, you know, everything's falling apart. Is this even worth it? I think this is a great time for you to not have to worry about what you're lacking. It's about how you can just continue to just be like, how can I make a resume look great? If I end up being, getting an interview, can I practice more? and And maintain these skills for when the pandemic is over and when things are starting to very mm. quickly come back and then you can just be the first in line. If you end up waiting, too long, you end up risking spending too much time having not prepared during a time when you could possibly be preparing. Um, Another thing to note is that you also now have the time to work on your creative stuff. All the things that you wanted to do, definitely start doing them. Um, You know, It's hard. It's not to say that it's easy to be in a position where you don't have a job, you have to keep finding a job, and you have to maintain your creativity. I'm saying that now that you have a little bit less pressure on you to be that upstanding you know like a postgraduate you have to get a job right away because if you don't then you've wasted all your schooling or education you don't have any of that pressure anymore do the things that you need to set aside you know time during the day to work on your resume to you know apply for jobs job after job after job get used to it and then by the time this is over You've already had the skills and the time to practice and then you can apply everything um, once all the businesses have come back and you've also sort of encouraged yourself to be more creative and so you can get into the habit of I need to set aside a little bit of creativity for me in the passion projects
0: that I have. Absolutely, I I hope everyone was listening to that because that was jam packed with some great advice. <laughs> Sorry, there. no, no, fantastic. Thank you. And that's absolutely, yeah, so true. That you have to you have to be in it to win it, so to speak. Right? You have to be the one taking action and creating opportunity for yourself rather than waiting for how things are going to yeah. roll out. And I think that's a, that's you know a problem that affects everybody. I think it affects even people who are in full-time jobs and aren't aren't satisfied with their their current work. So, you know, you have, and I, I want people to know that they should feel empowered in that, you know, it's particularly, you know, if you're able to listen to this podcast and you have access to the internet and you have access to resources and information you have enough to be able to improve yourself. So I think make the most of that and don't just wait for things to to happen. But you've got to prepare yourself. As you said, you've got to prepare yourself, skill up, like use this time to, you know, learn something new. Uh, You know, there's so many uh, businesses offering free courses and things online now so the the opportunity is there. So thank you so much for that advice. I think people need to rewind and listen <laughs> to that again. Um but I, suppose- I think it
1: uh, sorry, I wanted to, to mention something else yeah. is I think it's important to note too that if even if like one day you feel like you just can't do any of it and you just want to stay in bed, you know, I would recommend sort of respecting that feeling. saying like it's okay you don't have to be full on all the time every single day for every minute of the day you know you have to sort of respect that that, you know you do have to you have to you need time to process you need time to sort of sit with your feelings and say okay not feeling so great about this and you know do what I do which is cry it all out put on a really sad Disney movie and then the next day you're like all right cool I got my sob a little bit over and what are the actions i can concentrate on the next day so that Mm. i can just i don't lose momentum but i also take little pauses to sort of give myself time to say all right not feeling so great today i'm gonna have a bowl of ice cream i'm gonna cry a little bit and then the one thing that i want to do today is put one job application out that's it you don't have to Mm. it doesn't have to be high productivity all the time Um, we've been given this time to sort of unwind and sort of unpack things and to sort of decide, do I want to, which direction do I want to go? And I think that we should definitely not be afraid of taking advantage of the situation.
0: Then that's true. That is balance is really important. You know, like it is important to to sit with yourself and understand what it is you want. I think it's where you can push yourself, but where you need to rest. I yeah. think is, is also um, advisable. So yes, thank you for bringing that up. Um, because you're now working from home and um, yes. you are a very organized person. If For those of you who do know Rochelle, she is highly organized. <laughs> so I think, you know, our audience would love to hear what are your recommended strategies for creating routine and structure during this time, whether you're studying or working from home?
1: I have to be honest, I am very organized, but in this current situation, um, you know, we're going currently going through house renovations and we are, you know, my, my office is not as organized as I like it to be, to be, you know, at my optimal, but give yourself time to be in the transitional stage, figure out what works for you. I've realized what works for me is definitely work in the morning. Um, I used to be a night owl, so I used to think, like, oh, I, I could just only work at night. But it's gotten to a point where I've evolved into an adult, I guess, um, where I actually focus better in the morning. So I'll try to get as much work as I possibly can done. I take breaks. I can't be sitting in front of a screen for so long, especially now that I'm, I'm at home. So I would, you know, work in the morning. By the time it gets around lunchtime, I probably want to run a couple of errands just to get some fresh air. And then come back wrap up some of the work stuff and then definitely just putting the work aside and then picking up a project that you like i think it's just you know having a good morning routine helps get your work out of the way and then you can sort of see how your day goes or how you transition but definitely respecting the kind of person that you are so if you're a night owl then you know work around that if you're a morning person then work around that listening to yourself and what your brain needs is probably the most important thing then you marry it to a goal and then you marry it to something that you want to do or that you enjoy doing And I think that's the best way to to sort of balance things out right now
0: I think we all we're all figuring out and I think yeah. the important is, thing is that we we know that there are people around to, who want to support us so um, reach out to people you know around you to a community where you feel Um, a connection or people who like-minded people who understand you make sure you reach out if you're feeling you know um, like you're struggling and obviously um, the mentorship is always here for any young creatives looking to improve their lives to find sustainability when it comes to uh, careers and a creative lifestyle so make sure you connect with us. Um, Rochelle, is there anything else you'd like to say to our community, to the young people out there who are aspiring to do wonderful, creative things in the world?
1: Be safe, Um, be loving, be kind to yourself and to other people. I think that's the most that we can really um, ask for now. And it's a way that you can sort of, when you're kind to someone else, you're kind to yourself. So definitely just keeping in mind that you know you're just as important as other people, and um, it's love is it's is not limited to just you or just to another person. Love is boundless, and you can love yourself the same way you love other people. And you should take care of yourself because of it.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle, for taking the time to chat with us today. We're so blessed to have her on this podcast, and. Um, If you have any questions, if you want to to leave any feedback, please do and connect with us. Make sure to subscribe to Dear Future Boss on Spotify and Apple Music. Thank you, Rochelle. It's been a pleasure to speak to you today. Thanks so much for having me.